Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that if you're having trouble falling asleep, just pretend you have to get up in five minutes. It's Dale. <laughs> that's, that's the way it is, isn't it? It is. Can't sleep all night. Well, it's time to go to work in 15 minutes. Sleepy as hell. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. I do my best sleeping right before I have to get up. Yeah, right between the, the uh, snoozes, right? Yeah, that's damn, the best sleep. Damn brain tricks. Man, I don't understand it. <laughs> And you wake up and your brain is just all over the place, and then you go back to sleep and don't want to get up. Don't want to get up at all. Mm-mm. I don't understand. You've been it. staring at the ceiling for three hours. <laughs> yeah. Tossing, turning, tossing, turning, and then sleeping good, and the alarm goes off in two minutes. I know. I, get, I don't understand it. Oh, well. If anybody knows the answer, let me know. Yeah, we'll do it. What's going on, dude? You, man. Same yeah, old, same old. Same old, same old. A little better than that, but, you know, trying to trying to get one in right quick. Yeah. we got a good episode today. I think so. Yeah. It's going yeah. to be really neat. I think it's. Uh, when we're gonna have have a lot of fun with yeah because you know we've uh talked about this case quite a bit yes we have yeah uh we're not gonna do any intros or talk about anybody today we're just gonna jump into this episode because yeah. you know this case is um pretty special to us it is yeah we're talking about a should agree again today on this yeah. episode yeah i know well uh, you did one before i joined up on episode three and then uh we done one with another podcast uh, on uh episode 99 and uh, I was really, I'm, I'm really glad we did that because I really wanted to get in here and get my feet wet on that show. I mean, that, that uh, this subject because it's just something that's really close to us, and I think we should do a lot more on it. So I think that's where we're going to start today. Yeah, that episode we did was with uh, Murder on My Street podcast. Yes, with uh, Jenny Bailey. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was a super lady to talk to us about her thoughts on the Asia Degree case. Well, that was a neat one because they're from the West Coast, so. They were getting our our perspective, uh, you know, just being just a couple miles down the road and, and them from far away, and then we could give them a little insight on, you know, how the terrain actually is and, you know, the ins and outs of what's going on and what what we hear here locally as far as in, in, compare that to what they had out there. Yeah. Was kind of neat, I'm, yeah. I'm sure the news is reported differently wherever they're at. Right. And they listen to podcasts and stuff and try to learn as much as they can, but... You know, like I said, this um, I used to agree went missing just like it was about six miles away. Yeah, yeah, it's not far at all. Not far at all. And I pass the sign at least two or three times a week. Oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I always look at it. No yeah, yeah, I do, man. It just it blows my mind. Yeah. But uh, we're doing something a little bit different. We're talking about Asia degree, but we've got we get one more different uh, perspective. Here. Yeah, we've got uh, David James. He is a retired law enforcement, retired police chief in Gaston County, and he's just giving us his. Uh, law enforcement perspective on Asia Degrees case. Yeah, we got a couple of questions we want to ask him, you know, about how, you know, what what do they do with this and how does that work and this kind of stuff. So I know he can't drop a lot of information, if he, even if he knew on open case, but, you know, we really invite his insight. Yeah, and we value his insight. And he's become a good friend with us, a good friend of the show. Yep. And uh, he's always open for us to bounce stuff off. Whatever we need, he's always there and answers right away. So he's, he's just a great friend to us. And uh, it's about time for you guys to meet him, I think. Yeah, and uh, he owes us a lunch, by the way, too. Yes, he does. Yep. But uh, we want to welcome David James to the show. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, guys. Great to be on your show. We're glad to have you. Before we get going, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us your credentials and who you are, man. Wow, I don't know if you listeners want to hear that, but we'll do it. Oh, yeah, we, uh, I do. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, like uh guy said, I'm the retired Belmont police chief in Gaston County. Been in law enforcement uh, 40 years, 
started my career up in Kannapolis, North Carolina. I was there 22 years. Left, uh, wanted to be a chief of police. I don't know what I was thinking about that when I did that move. And uh, went to Belmont, North Carolina, in Gaston County there. Worked there seven years, uh, retired. Then I was the interim chief at uh, Mount Holly, North Carolina, for about a year. And I still work in law enforcement a little part-time now, uh, just enough to keep up to speed with everything. And uh, some of my background and my training, uh, I graduated from Belmont Abbey there in Gaston County. Uh, I went to the FBI National Academy in Quantico, Virginia. This for police executives. About 1% of law enforcement officers in the United States ever get to go to it so that was a big deal Heck yeah. Um, yeah, at Quantico there and uh, I went to NC State's officers uh, administrative officers management program uh, there and uh, gosh I teach a little bit too I teach at a community college uh, adjunct instructor in their two year degree program uh, I've investigated a lot of cases and uh, helped in a lot of cases over the years, and uh, you know, just uh, just a lot of experience. Uh, don't claim to know everything, but uh, you know, I enjoy going back and looking at old cases, and I sort of have a niche for that. And uh, you know, that's sort of how I got up on the Asian degree case. Yeah, so you've locked up some bad guys in your day, huh? Just a few, just a few. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. That's, you, that's quite a background. But, you know, like we said, um, Aisha, her story, you know, it's right here in our county, man. And we take it personal. And we wanted to get you on the show to get your law enforcement perspective on the case and uh, get your insight on some things and some questions we have about her case, man. Yeah, you're right. We've done, a, you know, a couple shows. Well, Donnie done one before I came on. And then we've done one with another podcast. Uh, I think it was episode 99 with uh, Murder on My Street with, uh, with Jenny Bailey. And so that was the first one I got to do a lot of discussions, you know, going with what we know against what she knew and just giving her some little ins and outs because we're just, it's just right here. But I don't think we've ever done anything with your kind of perspective from the other side looking in. So it's always been a hearsay, this, this, and this. And so we'd like to really pick your brain and let you drop some stuff on us and really glad you're with us today. That's right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I mean, this case is a very unique case, in my opinion. Uh, you just don't see a lot of these cases happen around, especially, uh, you know, in a small community uh, like that and in a geographical location to where uh, the, the Greek family lived and stuff. And it just sort of, you know, it's one of those uh, anomalies to me. It's like way off base, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah. So tell us, David. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, the day she went missing, you know, they called law enforcement out, and they got there pretty quick. What would have been law enforcement's first thing they would have done when they got on scene? What would have been the protocol to to handle the case when they got there? What would have been? What would they have done? Well, a lot. A lot of it is, uh, you know, is getting the information out uh, to other officers and uh, in the jurisdiction of where she went missing, getting a description, uh, you know, just the basic police 101 stuff, you know, securing a crime scene. Uh, if you thought, you know, 
uh, a crime was committed because a lot of times in law enforcement work, uh, we have a lot of kids that run away and uh, some that go missing, some that are hiding in their home. And, you know, a thorough search would be done of the, the residence there to start with, you know. Mm-hmm. And because uh, most uh, most kids and juvenile, as I call it juvenile, you know, under the legal age, they're mostly runaways and, and, and they come back. Uh, but with Asia, with her being the age of nine, I mean, that's really an anomaly that uh, she's gone and, you know, and the family doesn't, doesn't know where she's at. Yeah. Would have uh, law enforcement, would they have uh, interviewed the family members separately or would they have interviewed them together or how would that have worked? You mean on scene? Or on the scene, on the scene. Yeah, probably initially on the scene, uh, you know, they probably would have tried to talk to them, uh, you know, as much separately as you can. But you got to remember, you got a chaotic scene going on. You got sure. a nine year old girl missing and you're trying to get all the information out. So, uh, you you know you may not at that initial time be able to interview them you know really by themselves until things get sort of uh, calmed down as you know I call it a uh, organized uh, Chinese fire drill sometimes <laughs> yeah uh, because it's chaos and especially uh, when you have somebody that young uh, missing but you know in a perfect world you have to remember there's no perfect investigation and there's no perfect case like we see on tv and things like that you know mm-hmm. and uh the thing would be you know to get the information you know what she was wearing um what what they knew about the event i mean just like in the asia case uh you know with everything i've researched and, and uh looked into uh just you know uh, in a non-professional way as you know she just sort of vanishes into the middle of the night yep yeah so i guess what you're saying if you come in and you know you don't think it's a crime right off the bat but really you're just more worried about a missing child so they would come in and kind of secure and look around and then get all the info from the family and then hit that on the airways as soon as possible right. okay that makes a lot of sense yeah and because and the problem is that we have a lot of these i mean it's it's, it's not uncommon but it's sort of uncommon for that age time and right. um my wife had to throw her in here she's a school counselor in an elementary school and you know i've talked to her about this case and it's very unusual for a nine-year-old female to just walk off into the night you know mm-hmm. well especially one that's terrified of storms and it's in the middle of the night and it's a storm and it's cold and and you know, as far as we know, didn't have a jacket or anything. Just the, the what we think yeah, is and, uh, nothing but a backpack and that, That's the thing. She, you know, in uh, all accounts, and you can help me if I get uh, a little bit off base. But you know, she's gone. They 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 interview the family. They bring the canines down for a search. Uh, they get uh, search parties looking and. Uh, then uh you know they come up they went back up initially there's no forced entry to the residence so nobody broke in took her away that way she had a key and at that residence uh there where they were living was a duplex uh duplex apartment correct and you know all the time i was thinking in my mind it was a sort of a larger house but from y'all doing your story 
and going to the different locations, you know, it's like the duplex maybe was, you know, at most uh, 1,100 square feet. Right. So we're not talking about that big a residence, you know? No, it's like probably two bedrooms. A bathroom is probably in between them. And then the other side is like a kitchen with a small wall and a, 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 a little small living room. Most duplexes I've been into anyway. Yeah. So that's what I figure. Yeah, and you know, and, and as a first responder going to the scene, you know, you have to rely on what information you get there uh, and all that because uh, I knew a deputy who was working at Cleveland County that night, actually, when H degree went missing. He was out answering calls. They had a bad storm that night. The weather was cold, rainy. Uh, they had alarms going off all over the county. So, you know, it was what in the night if i was going to run away or go away that i would pick and you know my personal opinion yeah definitely it's kind of one of those deals where if you were planning to run away you'd maybe want to wait till the next day but if it's something to where you thought you had to go meet somebody or you're trying to get away from something maybe that would take a chance that's one of the things we talked about here yeah and i think too is uh you know jumping back to what we do on the scene too is you know get all that information pushed out people and uh and look so uh you know it's uh because most of the kids that, that's ran off and walked away that we get called on and i've been on it's like we find them hiding in a house somewhere we find them sleeping in a car they may be in an outbuilding they may just be you know uh, i've seen that all the time but with her you know they go to bed uh uh, the father looks in on them at a, I think it was around two thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, and then you know about six thirty ish, sometime in there, uh, the mom is getting them up, going to start your bath water to get them up. And she's gone. Yeah, you know you mentioned the rain, and then they brought out search dogs. And I've heard this several different ways, David. How does uh, search dogs react to rain and stuff? I've heard that the rain will actually bring out the scent and i've heard in other cases that the rain hinders it a little bit what what's the truth my, yeah what's my the truth experience here? my experience with it is uh usually with the rain you know if it's a heavy rain or a misting rain or whatever uh a lot of times it will keep the scent there close to the ground so you know in my professional opinion it would be easier for a dog to pick up a track yeah but if you got a lot of wind blowing and stuff, because, you know, when you're walking around, we don't think about this, but we're shedding the scales on our body, skin, you know, and that's what the dogs are picking up. But the wind's blowing, you know, it can, it can disturb the track, and, you know, they they made the dogs could be all over the place. And it takes a good handler, a good dog. It takes a perfect condition. I've seen it work hundreds of times with dogs tracking people mm-hmm. and you know and i've seen it hundreds of times where it didn't work out so it's you know a canine is just like a tool like anything else yeah hmm. so you said it was a bad storm that night and it, the power was knocked out the house and they couldn't give asia and her brother a bath that night and had to wait till the next morning that was the plan that uh, their mom had correct Something about a car hit a pole or... Yeah, there was a car. Did you hear anything about a car hitting a pole or anything, David, or a wreck? Yeah, uh, there was there was a wreck somewhere there close in the community. I don't know the exact location. 
mm-hmm. that I did. It was a motor vehicle accident, and it knocked the power out. And so, you know, here we are. We have no power. And uh, for that time period where, you know, she wanted to get the kids a bath. And so, you know, they went to bed uh, and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, there's just a lot of variables in this thing. And, you know, and law enforcement, in my opinion, has done a good job with this the sheriff's department was on the scene quickly they got involved with north carolina state bureau of investigation uh you know they ended up uh the fbi is investigating the case still the sheriff's department is investigating still the sbi is still investigating the case and i know some of the investigators and are are super top-notch people and uh you know it's just it's just uh hard for me to comprehend that you know we they get leads every once in a while and you have to work through a lead because when you put stuff out you, you get a lot of people calling in with stuff and then you got to filter through to the, to the actual um, tip you know yeah uh so uh you know it's uh it's just one of those cases uh that you know really is unique uh it's just you know with all the the uh, time that it's been and where uh i know that you know we have some truck drivers that's on highway i think it was 18 that actually thought they saw her or said they saw her and reported they saw her it's about a mile away yeah right there about a mile what what do you think about that because well you know as an investigator that's one of those things that you know I want to make sure that the, these people who said they saw something are are telling the truth, right? And not saying that they were not or whatever. But you know, that's a key point in my case is if I've got some trustworthy person can say, "Hey, I saw this at this time and right here," you know. Yeah, me and Donnie's kind of beat this theory to death, trying to figure out if it was true or not, and. Evidently, the first guy was supposedly a Sundrop truck driver, so we figured it's not a semi-truck, but uh, one of those longer, uh, I don't know, the one with the slide-up doors is what we're assuming. A 10-wheel. Yeah, a 10-wheel truck or whatever. But if you know the area, and they said he he had turned around like three times, there's not really a lot of places he could turn around. He would have to go way past it up to another church to turn around for a lot to turn around unless he you know i'm sure he ain't whooping in somebody's driveway and then he would have to come all the way back down to where the 18 turns into a four lane which is not it's right right below the sign of the extra degree sign and turn around maybe in that store parking lot but the thing about turning around three times i, I just don't know about that what what is your opinion on that i mean uh you know i've i've rode out by that location uh you know and uh, look at it and you know i'm not really familiar with it but this is my whole deal if we got two people that saw somebody you know that thought there was a kid or thought they're in trouble uh you know it looks like to me that somebody would have stopped and called the police or the sheriff's department or somebody like that instead of later on you know yeah and, uh, and i'm not saying uh i'm trying to remember back in 2000 what my access to my cell phone was you know well <laughs> because everybody's got them now right you know, well i'm sure uh, you had one because i had one that morning i was coming to work 
but it was you know hours after this and i was working at bernhardt industries in shelby at the time so i was coming down through and i think donnie as well went through the roadblock they had but i was talking to someone on the phone when i came up to it and i was later in the in the cell phone game so i'm pretty sure you had one but i don't know about everybody else now but it, at that time yeah, yeah. I, i'm you know, my my question is, you know, and this is just the police. I mean, uh, why why didn't somebody go somewhere and call somebody? Yeah, if you're going to uh, turn around three times, why wouldn't you stop and call? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like he's putting a whole lot of effort into stuff. It's not helping, if you ask me. Well, yeah, that- and uh, you know what I read too, and the research that I've done on it too was, you know, one of them was um, they had two actually people that uh, saw something, saw saw her. One was um, the drink truck guy, and the other guy was a truck driver who actually used to be a sheriff's deputy. I'm yep. glad you said that because me and Donnie we used to work at the, at the mall back in the day, and I'm pretty sure it's the same fellow. Now, it might be, might be just the same name, but we knew that Roy. Is it the same Roy that we used to be? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. So. Is. Roy Blanton. Roy Blanton, yeah. Roy and, Blanton. Yeah, and he was always a really nice guy to us at the mall as kids hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. So we we often wondered if that was the same one. That's my understanding with uh, you know the research and stuff that I did that, that you know he was a, a former you know deputy, and uh, my understanding you know they talked to these two guys pretty pretty thorough, and you know I don't know if they uh, you know in the investigation if they polygraphed them, asked them to come in for one. And, you know, in a polygraph, uh, you know, that's just a tool, too, just like a dog we talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, in North Carolina, you can't use the polygraph in court, but it's a tool. And, uh, you know, did the, both these guys take the polygraph? Or did they show that they were telling the truth instead of being deceptive? Uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know what a human does to both of us. So. Right, right. <laughs> There was some stuff found at uh, Debbie Turner's little upholstery shop in a building she had back there behind the shop. I think it was a hair bow and pencils, maybe some candy wrappers and stuff. In a photo. Yeah, I think it was a photo of a little girl. Yeah. Uh, yes. How would uh, law enforcement have handled this stuff? Would they have, uh, would they have checked it for anything, or would they just grab they it could see, bag they it up? Or? Yeah, they would seize it, seize it for evidence. And uh, because that was in a general, general location where she got missing, and uh, I think my understanding is that uh, there were like a hair bow, some pencils. There was a, like a, a Atlanta Olympic pencil yep. there, mm-hmm. and hair bow, and then some paper, candy wrappers. Mm-hmm. And that, and then with the picture, uh, like a school school picture, like an elementary school picture of a. Uh, young lady there too, and uh, and it was in black and you know, white. They would have seized all that stuff and uh, collected it as evidence, you know. Yeah, I don't and, know. and the thing is, is uh, I think those people ran a what a upholstery shop there. They yeah. did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, was it you know was that stuff there from Asia, or was that stuff that maybe over the time frame? fell out of old couches old chairs or whatever yeah but but you know you would collect that as evidence and and now from 2000 to 2023 
you know, with the DNA testing and stuff like that, you know, you could you could test uh, the stuff that they found, you know? Yeah. They started, I know, the search at the house, and then they expanded it. And uh, then uh, they searched, when they searched the shed, uh, I know they had found those items, but uh, and I think they talked to the people there. I think they were Turners, maybe. Yep. Yeah, David Turner. Yeah, David Turner. Yeah, that was there, that lived there. And I think somebody, they had dogs and stuff there somewhere close. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they said, that, you know, they didn't hear any of the dogs barking that night or anything, too, you know? Right, yeah. And, and me and me and Donnie both have done some reupholstery in our day. And we know you can find all kind of crazy stuff in there. And then, so we were talking about that earlier. But then I think Donnie wanted to ask you about some DNA laws. North Carolina like DNA laws. What is the yeah. what is the the law for North Carolina as far as being able to submit DNA for testing? I mean, it, 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 I know in other places I've heard that it has to be murder or rape or something for it to yeah. be. Uh, how is it in North Carolina? What are the what are the laws? There's certain certain uh, felony cases in North Carolina uh, that is mandatory uh, DNA testing. When you get arrested, let's say, for a, a sexual assault or an armed robbery or something like that, you automatically get t- tested. You get swabbed. They swab your mouth. Mm-hmm. And then your <clears throat> your DNA is uh, identified and then put into the DNA system, CODIS, the nationwide. CODIS is a nationwide clearinghouse for DNA Uh you know, sometimes uh, you can take uh, a lot of these old cases are getting cleared up because the technology has changed on the DNA testing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easier than it was a long time ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he told me today that he had heard that really the only thing that law enforcement or local could submit was for a murder case or a rape charge or something. Do Actually, uh, I have knowledge of a case that was submitted. It was six or seven months ago. Uh, it was an investigation in Gaston County. I won't tell it where. Right. But uh, it was a part of a glove, a uh, surgical glove, the tip of it. And uh, it was involved in a home invasion case, and they got a DNA hit off of that. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, so it would be possible yeah, if they wanted to. I guess, I guess it comes down to money when you look at it, I guess. Well, you can do the agencies in North Carolina can submit DNA testing uh, to the Department of Justice lab, or um, it used to be the FBI lab. The Department of Justice is over the lab now, but you, you can submit it. They have, you know, what you can submit, how you can submit it, and they got rules and regulations. And uh, it, uh, some agencies use the SBI lab, uh, and some agencies use. Uh, private vendors that you know the companies that do dna testing yeah hmm very interesting i just didn't know how much dna they would have had from asia because you know they found her book bag sometime later up 18 north is about 26 miles away in burke county yeah and it was in a double bag trash bag so yeah so, yeah, and it, and that's one of those odd things too where they found the book bag and, yeah it's way up there. Uh, we right up there yeah yeah. The location and you know, it was in the book bag was double bagged and, you know, garbage bags and 
the guy was, I think he was building a house or a driveway and unearthed it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of odd to us that, you know, if you were going to get rid of something, unless you were going to, planning on going back to get it, why would you double bag it and not just burn it or destroy it or something? I mean, it looks like yeah, double bag is trying to save it. Somewhere. Right, yeah. If he's doing yeah, going mean, all that trouble, it seems like of, he's saving it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, uh, you know, when they found that, I'm sure and the FBI was involved in that case at that time. And I'm sure that they preserved all that. Uh, you know, I, I know of cases, though, where you go back and test, it, like a case from 20 years ago or like this or 25 years ago, DNA testing, the procedure and the amount of stuff you need to, to test for DNA has changed. And sometimes I can remember we test for DNA and it basically would eat up all the the sample all the evidence and so you can only test it one time right yeah but think but things have changed now i mean it's it's, it's unbelievable what they can do with that stuff you'd think that thing with that book bag been double bagged everything would have been pretty well preserved inside that thing yeah and you would think if he took it yeah. well i see and, i see uh, him saying he but it would be some in there as well as yeah. yeah yeah they to me you know it'd be something in there and you know that's one of those deals the gentleman that found the bag you know, he opened it up and all that stuff, and I think he took it home. And he wasn't even familiar about the case, really. I think it was his wife and, that knew, yeah. His wife, uh, and then they called the sheriff's department there. So, you know, on something like that, that we would, we would uh, test it again. Tell me something about the, you know, they found a New Kids on the Block t-shirt and a McGilligott's Pool uh, book that they've released you know they said they had information on um do you think it's possible there's more stuff that they found or are they just releasing tidbits at a time how does law enforcement work on stuff like that do they just pick and choose well, what they release you know it depends on the case and uh you, you know the whole the whole spectrum of what's going on with the case and what type of case it is and Always as investigators, you know, I'm not going to tell all the tricks of the trade, but, uh, y you know, you always keep ace in the hole mm -hmm. and, uh, you do that, but you know, with, uh, a case like this, you know, stuff has trickled out, uh, you know, about the, the book and, uh, the, uh, new kids on the block t-shirt and things like that. And, tracing the book back you know could you trace the book back to, to the library and i think the the records didn't go back that far my knowledge mm -hmm. on that and actually i had my wife get that book out of her library at school so i'm uh i read it and you know they were thinking about you know, maybe that uh, influenced her to run away or leave and uh you know it's just uh keeping stuff out but you know you got to keep people you got to keep the public you play you play uh one of those you know how much do i let out you know how much do i keep uh but you know you got to keep the public interested when you got a case and when i say who done it you know mm -hmm. right or or something you got to keep because you might have you might have police officers going to work today that have no idea about Asian degree. That's right. Yeah. 
you know, they weren't even born when the nation degree got missing. So uh, even, uh, you know, passing information among law enforcement and keeping it out to the media. Uh, but you got to you got to keep enough interested, uh, you know, keep the, the public interested in the case and hopefully that, you know, it'll work its way out to somebody that knows something. I, I mean, it's just I think y'all do a great job on the cases uh, that you put up the, the murderers that hadn't been solved, the missing people, you know, that piques people's interest and you never know when you might run across that person that has that key piece of evidence. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thank you. Well, there's a, a green car that's involved with this. People, well, they, they let out that it could be a, let's see, I think it was a, it was a Lincoln. A Lincoln. A Thunderbird. Yeah. But it was a 70. Lincoln or a, Thunderbird. Yeah. Yeah. But that was what, how many, how long later was that tidbit dropped down? It was, later. I think they released it around 2016. Hmm, so 16 years. Yeah. That's what I had in my notes. Uh, I was looking at it. It was an early uh, model Lincoln Mark 4, maybe. Yeah, I think Thunderbird. you're right. Green in color and it had a little note about it about rust around the fender wells right that's a pretty good description about something from somebody yeah especially uh, seeing something in the dark on a rainy night yeah i mean uh, i mean you know is that somebody that may have picked her up walking somebody that may um, you know ran over in the road and picked her up or somebody who just kidnapped her off the side of the road uh Think most cases and homicide, missing persons, and things like that, most most of those cases are people who cross the path of each other. And they know each other by some means. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, not a. It's just not it's, out of, just not random. Yeah, we couldn't be. No, random. it's just there are very few random cases like this. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, they do. You do have them. But there are very few. The percentage is very low. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably have to be with their path crossing their path at the perfect time for something random to happen. I would think. Yeah, but uh, one of those things. Uh, but you know, somewhere they got that information that they thought it was good enough to put that car out there. But you know, I've worked the case before and and looking for a vehicle or something like that and. There are all kind of computer stuff you can do with that offline and uh, looking and narrowing down those vehicles. Uh, so, you know, that's a pathway to that. But then if you find these cars, let's say if you find 500 of them in North Carolina, you got to track them down. Mm-hmm. Find out and, the one that's got uh, the rest of the You can go in there and search. You get somebody to do a search. You know, give me all the white VW Volkswagens in Cleveland County that's registered. Uh, and, you know, I could get that pretty pretty quickly back to me if I, if I knew it was a white VW. Right. But, uh, you know, but it, the way cars change hands and don't get registered properly and stuff like that, you know, that sounds like it's easy, but it's, it's really not. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the list is longer than you think usually, too, but I don't know about a 1970 <laughs> nowadays mark four which is hell it could be in the crusher by now yeah yeah i mean and that, and that's a unique car to me 
Yeah. Uh, it's just not like every every little Honda Accord or anything like that you see out there. Right. Those are one of those. Uh, I mean, it's, 70, it's pretty unique. Like a seventy foot long car back in the day. Oh yeah, it's like a boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, with the book uh, found in our book bag, and you know, I was reading something in my research here that. So about 90 to 95% of the items that was found in the book bag was aceous, that they could identify that as aceous. Wow. So, mm. you know, are there more stuff there that, you know, we don't know about? Oh, of course. You know, yeah. com- coming up next February, it'll be 24 years. Where does wow. Where does law enforcement need to go now on this case? I mean, do they need to release some more stuff do they need to come out and make a statement on some stuff because they hadn't they hadn't told us anything in a while because you know they brought the fbi in a while back and they had a task force looking into it and we never did really hear much after that so yeah uh i know that the fbi brought their their i think it's the card card team about the child uh finding children lost children and uh, they specialize in that and and you got some of the some of the brightest and smartest people but you know if if you don't have it you don't have it but the information the evidence or whatever and i think too in law enforcement uh you know this has been a long time and you know you can say it's a maybe it's a cold case uh nobody's been arrested and she hadn't been found so really it's still an active case but it's but it's got people working it you know you have to think about uh, most law enforcement agencies the size of them they don't have enough personnel to work cold cases that's all they do they have to work everything else you know oh yeah so two and and top of this and, and the good thing too is and i'm sure uh they've probably done it is like you know get a fresh set of eyes to look at the case uh I know one investigator who's worked on the case. He's a retired chief and has worked on it some. I don't, don't have any knowledge of what his work was or anything like that. But, you know, getting people with some experience and a fresh set of eyes on something to look at it. Yeah. Uh, just to see if, okay. In, the, in law enforcement, sometimes we get, just like people, we get tunnel vision sometimes. And we get focused in on one item or one thing, and uh, we don't, as the old saying, we don't think outside the box a lot sometimes, you know? Right. And uh, you just have to, you know, get a fresh set of eyes to look at the case and uh, to do that. And you have new, and I'm sure there's thousands and thousands of pages of documents that's with this case, you know? Right. Probably a whole lot of stuff they never told anybody, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure of that. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I know some of the guys that's worked on it, uh, some bright guys, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, all the pieces of the puzzle was not there. And, you know, they're looking, we're looking for this piece of the puzzle to put it all together. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how confident they would be in releasing more stuff, uh, maybe keep Asia's story out there because that's what it takes man it keeps uh keep it in the public eye keep people aware of it keep people talking about it because if you got people talking about it you know you can get stuff done yeah because you know the word of mouth travels a whole lot better than anywhere else Mm -hmm. 
and uh, you know, and and the investigation, you know, I'm sure that initially they looked at the family. You always look at the closest people to whoever the victim is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want to clear these people out first, so you don't have to worry about that. You can move on to other other directions uh, with other people. And I know that uh, you know they had some people had a guy that was in jail that said he had information and then he got transferred to the cleveland county jail and i think the guy was trying to escape from the jail you know he had mm-hmm. a bunch of false information yeah so uh but you got to get it the information's got to get out to the right people yeah and uh i i think it's you know i think it's one of those things that the people in the community and you know with 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 Asia, her her family you start with that circle of people then you start with her neighborhood you know she, they were very active in church yeah you even check there you check those people you check at school you check her sports you know you, you've got these bucket what i call buckets of people that you have to go through and take a look at hmm. and uh even uh you know doing the searches as uh, I know of cases of red cases that where somebody involved in the disappearance or the death of somebody actively helped search for them you know oh yeah we've come across that a good bit yeah actually that's kind of scary and uh, and, and one of those things is I'm you know I'm sure law enforcement uh, has checked those but you know getting all the pieces of the puzzle together and uh, there's an art to it there's a little bit of luck to it too and then there's the forensic science part yeah and a little bit of common sense in there too i imagine oh yeah i mean a lot of common (laughs) sense you know they have a walk they have a walk every year for asia you know they they walk from the where the duplex was up to the sign there on 18 it's a a mile walk you know and i went through there last year or this past year when they was having the walk and there was uh, law enforcement presence there. You know, they there were some county deputies around. And do you think they were out, you know, not just for c- crowd control, but maybe, you know, observing the ones that were walking? Maybe. Um, That's a possibility. Uh, I know of cases where uh, back in my younger days, uh, being an investigator uh, at Canapolis, we uh have a death or something you, you would go to the funeral to see who who came yeah and uh stuff like that and yeah i mean you want to you want to go those routes uh, i mean that's thinking outside the box yeah definitely. uh you know with stuff trying to identify people that that put yourself in the investigation or or uh you know show up at things and uh there's a lot of moving parts for this case and you have to have a dry erase board and draw a flow chart <laughs> yeah on this thing and it's just the the big the big thing that my thing is is to identificate those guys who saw her that night is making sure that what they saw was was that Asia you know, yeah that's the key comparing stories and, yeah those people uh, you know or, or the key so you could say hey she was here at this time we have no doubt we're 100 percent. yeah and uh you know that gives you some somewhere to start uh you know it's like uh, i know from the research and stuff you know they said they didn't have a computer in the home 
they were pretty strict about what they watched on TV. And even Aisha, she was pretty, uh, pretty conservative. Just being, you know, she she didn't. She was active in church. She was active in sports, uh, and, and they're at home, and that was about it. So yeah. you know, her her sphere of people would be a whole lot less than you or I. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, her neighborhood and school and church was pretty much it for her. And sports. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, in interviewing, and I'm sure they've done hundreds of interviews with people and, uh, you know, with school. I know they talked to her school teachers, uh, with sports and, and all those things. And, you know, the big thing, too, is, is an investigator setting up a timeline of, you know, when events happened, when did she get missing, what was the events before I know there was some question about uh, the dad, um, what time he got home from work, and that he may have left and went to some kind of uh, store to buy candy. Yeah, or, I think it was uh, CVS or something. Yeah, something like that. And and you know you want to go and and build these timelines where you can say, well, he was there, he was there at this time, or whoever. Just you know, for the clarification of what went on that night mm-hmm. I agree. with everybody uh so you know you have to build a timeline to uh put them there but that's like i said it's a lot easier said than done sometimes because you get conflicting stories and stuff like that and it's just uh to me it's one of these anomaly cases that that you just don't see many of them it's just not like your this case it's not your typical child disappearance no, not at all. And, you know, you talk, the big thing now is, uh, you know, uh, people grooming kids for later on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, that goes on in the world. Uh, you know, was somebody grooming her to run away? But, but like, <laughs> her leaving the house, she was either running away from something or running to something, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so as well. You know, it's uh she there's some reason she left if we go on that first uh, the two truck drivers that saw her we go off what the parents said and, and all that and we don't have any you know red flags that come up you know it's like hey she just vanished yeah hmm. and, I get, and it's, uh, it's so hard because there's no there's hardly anything it's just She's gone, nobody's seen her leave, nobody knows nothing, and it's kind of a, a hearsay, did you see or did you not see truck driver thing, and that's about all we got, ain't it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's why you have to nail down people on their statements and uh, on their interviews and stuff, uh, just uh, to help the investigator, because it's, a, it's, a, it's chaos working one of these cases, and it takes, takes a lot of people. Yeah, I know here in Cleveland County, this case is talked about quite a bit you know people people talk about it and if, when they get into discussions about it I, there's some people get into arguments over what they think yeah. happens i mean strong very very strong opinionated uh talks about this um so you know we try to do what we can to get the word out and you know that's why we had you on here to try to get some a law enforcement perspective 
but you know i think to me just being a, a podcaster i feel like law enforcement needs to let out a little bit more make some more some more frequent statements about it you know especially on the anniversary you know make a public statement put something in a paper i don't yeah. know that's just that's just me you know, being speak, frustrated basically yeah yeah let us well, tell us stuff well you know and we we would want to put it out there i know a missing person case we had in belmont a guy uh when i took over as chief he'd been missing several months and his uh mom and dad came and talked to me and uh we had an idea of what had happened to him but we didn't have the pieces so it took probably a year and then his body was found and he'd been murdered and actually gastonia police charged the guy with murder and convicted the guy but this guy was missing for a long time wow it's it's, it's one of those cases just like that that you never give up on you know mm-hmm. and the investigators they don't give up on them it's just they're they're overwhelmed with the caseload they carry and not making excuses for them it's just uh, and, and a lot of times you run into dead ends and you know with the podcast or something like that can generate new leads maybe yeah right and there's a lot of rumors around and you know people talk especially on this end of the county where it was going on and people think this and i've heard you know people has mentioned their dad once we have nothing to go on out and i don't know about that either and i've also heard talk of a basketball coach and i was wondering you think they've i'm I'm assuming they've probably talked to anybody and everybody that's was connected to her in some some point or fashion so yeah i'm sure that anybody that had any kind of contact with her at least uh they they would interview them because you know that's that core group of people that she was around most of the time right and uh most of most of the those type of crimes happen by people you know and who you wouldn't think it would be you know yep for sure and uh i know that uh you know they had there was a guy i can't remember his name right now he was charged with killing a girl about Aisha's age and they were trying to figure out if he was involved uh and you know and they were never never ever to put him in the place but this kid was abducted and they found her body behind a school Hmm. and uh but you know never could put him there or anything but you know but with the dna and forensics and stuff like that uh you just have to uh, you hear cases and we see of cases i think we talked the other day about where the girl was missing for several years and showed up at a police station yeah yep mm-hmm. not long ago yeah Felicia navarro and and you correct me if i'm wrong uh there was a uh in aisha's case there was like a, a lady or a girl who was working at the hospital maybe there in shelby yeah and uh that same similarity as aisha would and sort of she got missing that was some of the the stuff that i'd heard but she had worked there but you know law enforcement if they got that tip they would go and you know and go over her personnel file and records with a fine-tooth comb uh you know like that i yeah, when that happened, we heard that the SBI had actually come to town to check it out, but she had already gone when they got there. Is that's kind of what we heard, the short, short version. Yeah. Anyway. 
I'm sure if they did, and uh, I'm sure if they got that information, they would find out who that person was. And uh, you know, there are ways about doing that, but it's just, uh, I think that, I think that it's it's locally. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's somebody locally that had some connection with Asia. Yeah, somebody that just hadn't been identified yet. That's just right yeah. there, right there in the circle. You, you know, it's uh, hopefully you know time. The problem with time, you know, time goes on and the cases get older and uh, people lose interest in them. And and this is something that you know. With your help, you know you're helping law enforcement keep this out in the public, and hopefully it will generate some tips. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's been a good a little while back now, but somebody sent us a couple photos. They saw some signs that were posted uh, off the exit from the Dallas Cherville Highway, where it goes on to St. Mark's Church Road, and it was like a handwritten sign, and uh, it says Lock Bell L O C K E Bell. Where is Asia Degree? The fillbacks are scared. And then it says, down at the bottom, it says, Black Planet, Ronald Bear. And then there's another sign. It says, Lock Bell knows the answers to this crime. And it was just two handwritten signs stuck on the side of the road. And somebody forwarded them to us and said, maybe you guys need to check into this. And I was like, wow, this just kind of blew my mind because this is not that long ago. But I had never heard anything. I hadn't heard about that. That's interesting. We'll send you a copy of this, these photos. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get you this information and see if you can run it through any or just run it by yeah. anybody or anything else. But it's, I'll pass it by. I'll pass it on to some people. Yeah, it kind of blew my mind today that I got it in a text. It goes, hey, I saw this, and I think you guys need to check into it. And it was posted right here off the Dallas Cherville Highway at St. Mark's Church Road. And I'm like, wow. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, just a handwritten sign, yeah. like a yard sale sign stuck yeah, up almost. on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. Pretty That's crazy. odd. You know, Asia Degrees' mom did a did an interview with Jet Magazine. Right. And uh, you know, I, I'm trying to read. You know, get it, get educated up on all of her stuff over the years, and I uh, had a big file just sitting in my house and uh you know i go through here and this is um this is a statement off the jet interview here it says did the police find any clues at all this is what they asked her mother and her answer was two motorists had spotted her that morning at 3:30 a.m and 4:15. that's when they stopped looking at me as if i had something to do with it we hmm. didn't even have a computer because every time you turn on the TV, there's some uh, child molester there basically had, had lured some child away. And uh, it's pretty interesting if you get a chance to look at the, the Jet uh, interview with her. Yeah. For the mom. It's very specific, and, too. Yeah. Yeah, they talked about, and I, my, I think she was like on the Montel Williams show, too. Yeah, I think it did Oprah, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's this is one of those cases that, you know, something's just going to have to get a break in it. One of those breaks, somebody listening to the podcast or, you know, the reward money is out there, you know, because I know people who would tell on their mama for the money they have out there, you know. Oh, I, I agree. And uh, uh, it's just, you know, 
we just pray that you know they get a break in the case and and they continue working it and do the best they can you know yep it sure seems like law enforcement done everything right and as much as they could and you know they're to be commended for that because they definitely didn't mess around just we just don't have much to go on as far as we know on this side you know they may have a little bit like you say close to the vest but yeah but yeah i mean and i don't think i, I, mean, I think the parents actually went in and said clear me first so you know just so we can get on with it didn't they yeah. yeah that's you know my understanding that you know i i'm pretty sure they polygraphed the dad and uh, i think they did the mom too and which that would just be standard protocol right yeah. you know to get those people first and and get the information they have about you know anybody else uh because a lot of times you know you know did she have any problem at school did what any problem in the family cousins friends acquaintances but you know here we're talking about a nine-year-old kid you know? right that's why it's so frustrating and that's just uh it's hard to comprehend a nine-year-old kid just vanishing into the night if she was on that highway. Yeah, walking out. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough for me to believe. That's anyway, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's just hard, so hard to believe, knowing that she was supposedly, you know, afraid of storms. And on this night, it was a hell of a storm, as you have said. Even had you know people back that up out on all those calls and stuff, and it just unless it was just something that you had to go meet somebody. This is not just. If you're just planning on running away, I mean, you could pick another day. You because know, I mean, I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me. It just uh, you know it doesn't fit the profile of her, her personality, and her being afraid of things and stuff. And you know, she vanishes into the night like that. And I'm sure we're not the only people scratching our heads. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, all right, David. Is there any last words you gotta? say about Asia Degree before we close out man any, any thoughts or comments you want to well, give us I think that uh, you know I think law enforcement you know uh, they've been working on the case I know uh, since it happened uh, uh, you know I know some of the investigators personally I don't know anything about their part of the investigation or anything some really good people uh, and you know, they would do anything in the world to clear the case up so but you have to have that little break or that little tip from somebody in the community because, you know, I can look with my eyes, but there's a whole lot of other eyes out in the community that see things and hear things that have, need to be reported. You know, it's sort of like if you see something, say something, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. And I agree totally. One, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a we thing, the community, the police, everybody. We have to work together to clear this case up. Right. It'd be really cool to talk to one of those guys, but I'm sure they couldn't tell us nothing either. Yeah, we've we've reached out, and we hadn't got much response back from Cleveland County authorities on her case. If it's ongoing, they ain't going to say nothing. Either. No, they won't, they won't tell us nothing. They won't even, no. Pretty pretty tight-lipped on the whole thing, man. Yeah, and and that's, that's you know, pretty, pretty uh, cut and dry for the police most of the time, you know. Right. But uh, and it frustrates people I know, and uh, but there is things about you know doing stuff on anniversary dates or you know just uh, you know a little just a little something could help help break the case wide open. But you know people they have their reason, and uh, they I'm sure they've got the best looking at it. Uh, but you know it'd be good if 
just one person could speak up and say that they saw something or knew something that they could help them clear it up. Right. I agree, man. And something else I want to throw out there, too. If anybody that's listening to this episode that knew Asia Degree, reach out to us. If you want to talk to us, we'll be glad to talk to you. Uh, anybody went to school with her, played basketball with her, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Just to, get to, know, with her, yeah. Just get to know Asia a little bit better. Yeah, it's more than a face on a sign, you know. That's exactly right. But, David, man, we sure appreciate your insight and in talking to us tonight, man. Thanks for the time, bro. Well, thanks, guys. I enjoyed listening to your podcast, too. And uh, it was a privilege to just get on there a little bit. Uh, I know we were like a shotgun blast. It went all over the place. But, uh, you know, that's the way some of these cases are. They just take so many legs and grow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we could have, you know, just knelt her down and went, you know, straight from the timeline and went right through it. But when we get into the stuff, then we have questions and we're like, well, we're going to ask you this and ask you this and ask you this. So, you know, if, if we want to come back and do a straight one all the way through the timeline and just follow it real, real strictly, we can do that, too. So uh, we're not yeah. gonna, we're not done with Asia by a long shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a good thing. It's because, I mean, they're, you know like you said you can hear people in the community they still talk about this case to the day mm-hmm. it's not like she's gone away or anything but you know it's like i'm sure that you know as a family I, i'm and you know and i, I talked to you about a case i had uh you know with two cousins who got killed yeah and, uh, in georgia back in 1974 their murder case is still unsolved and they were like 11 and 12 years old and got shot in the house and all the parents got shot and the two kids are killed and it's still an open case in georgia hmm yeah i remember you telling us about that it was pretty pretty wild yeah yeah so you know there are cases out there no oh, yeah happens every day man yeah sadly it does yeah all right david well man we sure appreciate you bud I'll talk to y'all later. All righty. Bye-bye. All right, Dale. Man, I want to thank David again for coming on, um, giving his thoughts and perspective on Aisha's case. Yeah, pretty neat, huh? Yeah. He's he's a very knowledgeable guy, and he knows his stuff. Yep, and volunteering his time to jump on here with us. Yeah, spend an hour with us, talk to us about Aisha's degree. All right, Dale, we're going to get out of here, man. Let's roll, man. We 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 squeeze one in for everybody and hope you enjoyed it. Yes, we want everyone to be safe. Please be careful out there and watch out for each other and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.